Welcome to Sourcing Journal Radio, our weekly check-in with apparel insiders and thought leaders, which spotlights a variety of topics currently driving change in the market. This podcast series is made possible by Cotton Incorporated, a not-for-profit company funded by U.S. cotton producers and importers whose mission is to increase the demand and profitability of cotton. Discover what cotton can do. I am Edward Hertzman, founder and president of Sourcing Journal. On today's episode, we'll be discussing fit, the challenges of getting it right, the consequences when brands and retailers don't, and how the industry can help consumers find products that work for them. Joining us today, we have two companies coming at this problem from different angles. First, we have William Adler, CEO of TrueFit, a data-driven company that aims to help retailers personalize the shopping experience by enabling shoppers find the right products for them. Don Howard is executive director of Alvanon, which uses technology and body shape data to advise apparel firms on fit and sizing. William and Don, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Eddie. Great, great to be here. So Don, uh, the first question I have is for you. Um, fit seems to be a new battleground of sorts with uh, brands and retailers touting products with better fit attributes and more and more service providers launching with a focus on helping perfect perfect this aspect of the business. Don, in your opinion, why is it important from a brand reputation perspective? Well, it really um, all boils down to brand loyalty and brand integrity. Um, fit, as we all well know, there's no shortage of data to tell us that it's the number one reason customers are loyal to a brand. And conversely, it's the number one reason they become disappointed with a brand. So, you know, from our point of view, fit consistency, we know is very difficult to achieve. And unfortunately, it's even harder to maintain over time. So Bill, at the end of the year, uh, like this, retailers are all touting their sales gains, particularly for online. What they don't talk about is how much is the impact returns have on their businesses. How has the rise of e-commerce made fit even more important and how could solving this problem result in fewer reversal logistics headaches? Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I think that makes sense. And I, I agree with what Don said. And, and Alvinon's an incredible company. Uh, and, and the role that they play uh, is, is essential to the entire equation. Um, what we do uh, is we organize the world's footwear apparel data. Uh, you know, we, rec- we, we, we organize the... Uh, uh, the manufacturing data from several thousand brands, uh, which gives us a visibility into the to the intended fit, the construction, the color, the fabrics, et cetera. Uh, and then we connect that to, you know, billions of dollars of of what people buy and keep and return. Uh, and then and then uh, you know eighty five million consumers have created uh, a, a profile, Trufit profile, which is implicit data about what fits them and what they love and, and, and not just fit, but style, et cetera. And what we do is we put all that together uh, in detailed, um, it's, a, it's a detailed deconstructed fashion graph uh, connecting you know, about 500 million consumers and 17,000 brands. And the result of that is software. And the software uh, we use in lots of ways. Uh, one uh, is to predict fit, on the product page, when when folks are are checking out uh, on you know about two hundred and fifty different retail sites, and uh, the result of that is that they feel confident and they select the right uh, size and not just size but the right fit and style, uh, and and then uh, you know they return fewer items. 
we're talking about e-commerce right now, but but fit as an issue has existed long before you know online and uh, you know e-commerce uh, sales. Why is fit such a difficult thing for brands and retailers to resolve? Well, you know, historically, there's any number of reasons why fit can be a challenge for a brand and a retailer, um, and we st- unfortunately still see them quite frequently. Probably the number one. Um, is the lack of internal or organizational alignment on the subject of fit in general. And it really all begins fundamentally with agreeing on what the true size and shape of that target customer is. Um, There are still brands that continue to debate that internally on an ongoing basis. And anybody who's been in the business long enough knows that there can also be creative and merchandising strategies that can change from season to season over time. And that's going to affect the ease over body characteristics, styling uh, characteristics of any individual product, um, technical fit execution that's trying to uh, execute to those directives um, can be a challenge if you don't have the correct standards and tools in place. And standards can also erode over time. So you know, there's any number of reasons why fit can become a challenge. And at the, the problem is at the end of the day, it's to the detriment of the customer themselves. And that's why we can certainly appreciate the efforts of Bill and his uh, organization in trying to connect the dots between what a brand or a designer has manufactured and mapping to that customer's preference. It's a very difficult task. Don, do you think that these um, these issues are more uh, for the brands and retailers to, to fix, or is this really a, a supply chain, you know, factory, factory supplier issue? Well, you, you, you know, like you've just mentioned, adding into all those things I've mentioned, um, then you have the potential manufacturing irregular, uh, irregularities and tolerances. And there's a lot of pressure today on speed to market. And those can exacerbate any of the above challenges. So, yeah, it's, we always see a uh, fit from the side of the equation that it has to be a comprehensive uh, approach. Uh, and our mandate is, is to try to get brands and retailers to be more consistent with what they do. Yeah, I'm sure it's, it's got to be difficult. When you have the same style being done in two different factories, you never really know if they're both going to be 100% the same when they when they hit the sales floor. Those are things that a, a consumer is not going to be tuned into. Right. So, so Bill, you know, TrueFit, you know, represents a, a new wave of fit-related companies that that we've seen come about over the past few years, especially with the rise of of e-commerce business. Um, walk me through this uh, just one more time. So. I go to a website, let's say I go to Under Armour or Macy's. I know those those are two of your partners. And do you already have on the site or do you know information from all these brands? Are you, are you categorizing brand versus brand and saying, okay, Eddie, you're a, a medium here and a large here? Or are you doing more of like a survey? You're asking people to input data about themselves um, you know, I'm just trying to understand how are you gathering this data so so that I feel that when I go to Under Armour, I'm a medium, but when I go to Macy's and buy maybe a club room polo, I'm a large. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question, and um, so let me let me try to unpack it a little bit. Um, it's a little bit of both. So so we um, we talk we have lots of different data sets that we work with. The three that we talk about publicly are number one, um, we built a um, anonymized collective of transaction data on top of about 250 retailers. So we have, um, you know, well over $100 billion worth of 
what people bought and kept and returned. We have no personal information. We don't deal in private information. Uh, it's all numbers to us. It's all it's all IDs and hashed and anonymized uh, uh, numbers. So we, so from a privacy perspective, uh, it's great because we don't have to deal in the world of, of, of personal information, but from a personalization perspective, we can actually identify an individual. And so we can look across, you know, $140 billion of what people bought and kept and returned. A, a that's really great behavioral data, right? Because what you're wearing and how you wear it and what you return tells us implicitly what you love. So we back out of that uh, a digital profile of your preferences. We then connect that uh, to um, a profile that you create as a consumer. So we have 85 million that uh, 85 million people so far uh, that have created a Truffit profile. This is kind of like PayPal for clothing. You use it, you sign up at one place, Macy's, and then you go over to Under Armour, and suddenly you start seeing recommendations. Uh, and and in that, we're learning about your 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 body, your style preferences, the brands you care about. Uh, and so on. Um, and, and the combination of all of that is how we really understand a consumer at an individual level without knowing any personal data. Then on the garment side, um, you know, we have lots of different methods uh, from gathering the tech pack data from brands to uh, a proprietary method for uh, turning every style into what we call attributes. Uh, ultimately, for 17,000 brands, we've broken their catalog. So if you go to like Under Armour, for example, 100% of the styles uh, on in Under Armour's catalog, we've structured um, 100 to 200 attributes per style. Attributes to us are all the color details, the fabrics, the way it drapes, um, the fit, uh, the points of measure, the closures. Underneath our genome, the fashion genome is really um, a structured set of very detailed preferences for consumers and very detailed attributes for clothing and shoes. And, and then we use the power of AI to put it together uh, to, um, you know, to personalize the assortment to you wherever you are in whatever uh, situation you might be in. So, Don, um, I want to pivot the, the conversation a little bit. Um, so so-called straight sizes have been challenging enough. You know, extended sizes, which we are seeing more and more popular, pose their own hurdles. Um, it, we are seeing retailers waking up to the fact that they're missing opportunities by not offering a wide enough assortment uh, for every type of shopper. You know, what's happening right now in Plus, and um, what do brands and retailers need to think about and keep in mind when they're entering this market? Okay, thank you. That's a great question. Um, honestly, uh, as someone who's developed uh, and produce plus size clothing for more than 30 years, it really still amazes me how this market has suddenly exploded uh, because the demand for the product was really always there. But what happens now is it seems to be the stigma is really what finally has been eased. Um, anything I mentioned earlier when it comes to um, standardization uh, is, is uh, applicable for any sizing range or category. Um, and then the fundamental goes back to the underlying body onto which the clothing is being created, and then optimizing size ranges that would be needed to adequately cover whatever the demand is in that market segment. So, you know, from a technical point of view, uh, what that means is you really have to start the development process and the fit process on a completely different base size. Um, and that's a lot of work. And it's a lot of expertise. Uh, and then once you've established that base fit, then you grade up and down from that point 
according to the coverage that you need. Uh, unfortunately, many brands still make the mistake of just trying to grade up plus size from a regular core size, which is not going to work. And it's not, especially today, because um, the customer really has too many good choices in the market to choose from. Um, and then the other important thing, back to brand loyalty, you know, once you get that, that sizing right for any specialty size, um, those customers become extraordinarily loyal. So it's super important uh, to get it right and delight her the first time. So yeah, to answer your question, it really, it surprises over the last five years, just see, we've seen a dramatic increase in the clients who are requesting services in this area. And it could be in the form of a startup. Um, it could be in the form of a legacy brand who's really trying to make sure they're keeping up with where that market is heading because it's very dynamic right now. Um, and then we see, you know, we have brands that still come to us or on the sidelines, you know, kicking the tires, should we get in or not? Um, but yeah, it, it, to me, you know, there's no more um, stigmatization when it comes to sizing um, and choose a niche and do it well, because there are plenty of people out there that are doing it. This may seem a little philosophical and there may not be a, a you know, a specific right answer to this, but are you seeing, or do you think that these legacy brands are, are going to just start offering a wider variety of sizes and consumers will feel comfortable with that and, 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 you know, buy into those brands? Or do you think, like you mentioned over the past five years, there's, there's been um, such an awareness of this and we've seen so many great startups uh, take so much market share in this, that they're going to be the, the winners at the end of the day. Well, I think it, it always goes back to um, how genuine you are as a brand. I mean, people, pe people buy brands for a lot of reasons, but they also realize when they're being spoken to genuinely and when they're being spoken to gratuitously. So again, if you're in that market and you want to do well in that market, you really have to um, kind of... Uh, uh, embrace it and do it wholeheartedly um, because, again, she knows, he knows uh, that there are brands out there uh, that will take them very seriously and, and cater to them. So um, you can't do it disingenuously. Obviously, authenticity being genuine is is key to communicating your brand message, you know, but, but can you just talk a little bit more about messaging around this and what it really means? Sure. Uh, um, I, I think... Uh, one thing that's important about messaging is that uh, when we talk about product development processes with our customer, um, and from the very beginning, aside from getting the core standard and the size ranges correct, um, any merchandising and design fit strategy, you have to have the consumer in mind from the very beginning of the process. So we always say to our customers, you know, set your direction for fit, faithfully execute to that direction, and then finally communicate clearly to the customer the fit that you created for them. And that's the messaging part. Uh, today, you know, visuals are key. Um, uh, Bill alluded to earlier that the attention spans are so short right now online. Um, so visuals are everything. And Good American is another example of visual where uh, a, a customer doesn't have to imagine what that product would look like them, look like on them in terms of size, um, uh, but they can actually see all the product in their sizes. Um, which makes it a lot more easy. And also today, and when it comes to messaging, uh, that diversity is an expectation. So not only in terms of ethnicity, but sizing uh, diversity is a must today when it talks about fit messaging. 
Uh, yeah, just to say one comment about the plus uh, point before we pivot, just to say I totally agree with with Don. I mean, uh, I don't know what the actual numbers are, but something like six, I thought something about 60 or 70% of women uh, say that they wear above a size 14. Um, I mean, this is hardly a, a, a fringe <laughs> market. I mean, this is a, a really important market and inclusivity has become a very big deal. Uh, as, as, as the market has evolved. Um, I think that over 35% of our entire fashion genome is plus, uh, plus data and it's, it's getting, it, it, it's growing much faster than the, than the median. So it's, it's, um, it's happening. It's a good thing. And I think the future of that, uh, might just be that when you're, when you're shopping again, this is now back to your question about the attention span, but I mean, if you've, if you're going to look at three things I, and you're just telling me like these are the three dresses that are perfect for you and these are true to you, uh, the right style, the right fit, the right size. I don't even care what, this, what the label says, right? Like I just need to know and I trust that you're telling me these are right for me. I'm going to click buy. And then when, uh, you know, when I go into the dressing room or if I go home, uh, put it on I'm, and I just feel good. I feel good. It works. It's less about trying to figure out what the label says and more about just you know, feeling presented uh, something that's that's thoughtful and, and inclusive. I mean, in the same brand, I could be picking up two different size blazers. One's a forty, one's a forty-two. So, what could be done to 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 reduce some of this? Uh, I want to say confusion. I think the way we deal with it um, is what we're doing, which is you know, Alvanon on the back end is doing all kinds of critical things uh, to make uh, make the uh, the the production and the sourcing side of it's successful. Um, and what we're doing on the front end um, is organizing all that data so that you as a consumer shouldn't have to think so hard. Uh, you ought to just be able to show up to your favorite place, whether it's in store or online and just be presented with things that, you know, that you're going to love. And you shouldn't have to wonder like if it's a woven or a knit or whether it's a brand, you know, or don't know. Um, again, if you think about music, I, I think it's important to leap outside of our cat of our, of our uh, industry to see, you know, um, where, where this has been successful, you know, before iTunes and before, um, I don't know, Pandora and Spotify, we listen to the same stuff over and over again. Right. Uh, just because we knew what we love. And and if you think of that as the brand in the apparel category, you're like, okay, it's the same thing. I know the brand I love. We have a $2 trillion market and not even 20% of it is online. And the majority of the online sales are that. They're the, they're the replenishment purchasing of the brand uh, that I know. I wear an AG3632 bootcut dark walk dark wash jean. Okay, I can I can go to Amazon and type that in and get it. And have a chip to me, but there's zero discovery there. There's nothing that expanded our market. All they did was replenish the exact same thing. It's about convenience. And for us to explode the market of apparel and footwear the same way we did music and movies and everything else and get it to 50% or 60% over time, it's got to just be the same kind of thing where like, I don't even know the music I'm listening. I have music streaming to me. I, I don't know who it is. I just know if I like it or not. Right. It's and so I have expanded my horizons dramatically because they are figuring out the preferences that I care about. And that's what we're doing with peril and, and, and footwear. And and um, that is what will, uh, you know, I believe, save retail. Uh, Dada, I want to I want to kind of piggyback that question. Uh, you know, as Bill said, you know, he's taking care of the front end. Alvedon has long been involved in the product development side 
of of the business. And you know, I, I like you to kind of tackle my question a little bit. Why am I three different sizes when it comes to three different brands? You know, when it comes to a shoe, I, I have no idea. When I walk into a store, I literally ask for three different sizes. Same thing with jeans. Same thing with suits. What's your approach in working with a brand as it applies to product development and helping them get consistent sizing across the board? Well, um, I can tell you right now that I'm not equipped to talk about shoes, so I'm <laughs> going to leave that off to the side. <laughs> we don't work with feet. Um, so uh, There's, a, there's a, a lot of other parts of the body you could talk about. <laughs> that's, that's, that's for sure. Um, you know, the, the, the problem is, and, and the problem and the paradox is, as like uh, uh, Bill has pointed out, is it's very much art and science. Um, it's a very creative endeavor, endeavor to create apparel. So, you know, we, we have obviously a lot of data in our end um, when it comes to body measurements and so forth. We're, uh, as a consulting group, we have a lot of experience um, in the product development process. And we really try to keep it really simple because the brands are going to become very complex on their own and we don't need to make that even worse. So, um, you know, we kind of uh, approach it uh, as, as though uh, when um, it boils down, as I said before, the internal alignment of the subject and fit, which is, as I've said, the body itself on onto which the product is going to be created. And, and believe it or not, there are still many brands that continue to debate that subject on an ongoing basis. So they might be vacillating internally on what that core size should be to begin with. And if they don't have uh, uh, agreed upon and followed standards, that's, uh, that's going to make it a real problem. Um, the other thing is that uh, uh, a lack of, of clear definition of ease over body. You know, Eddie, you mentioned I could be a 40 in one brand and then I can come back the next day and be a 42. Well, th that has to do with the ease over body fit intent, uh, which, which is something that they set out to do creatively. In other words, if your jacket that you tried on that was a size 40 and it was very you know, easy through the midsection, um, you might be very happy with that as a personal preference. But if they decide to take their size 40 and make that very small and fitted on the chest and the waist, you're obligated to go up to a 42 if you don't appreciate that garment being close to your body. So inherently, you could be confused because it has not been messaged to you that you're not even supposed to button that jacket up. It's meant to be close to the body and open. You know, that, that's a design silhouette feature that might not have been communicated to you when you were in the store making that selection. So again, we, we try to keep it clear and simple internally, have good standards in place, have good you know, grading uh, in place, and make sure you tell the customer what that ease over body fit intent is, um, because the last thing we want you to do is to go up or down in size because you did not understand the intent of that garment. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I just thought, you know, maybe I kept gaining weight every every time I went back to the store. But um, well, that 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 could, that could be Eddie. I, I don't. I, know. <laughs> I thought vanity sizing was supposed to make me feel better about how I. <laughs> I you know, all I know is I keep buying bigger and bigger clothes, but I, I don't feel that the scale reflects that. But you know, we're we're, we're running out of time, so uh, we could talk about that offline. Um, but you know, just one last question for for you, Don. Um, you know, obviously, we've we've addressed a lot today, and and true fit. Um, represents, as we said, one side of the, uh, of the business, and Alvanon represents another side of the business. There's a lot of companies that that are that are, 
as we discuss, you know, trying to tackle fit from all different angles, you know, what's next for fit in your opinion? You know, what, what other players do you think are out there that are doing something that that's interesting and, and what should we expect from, from companies like, like yours uh, moving forward? Well, I, I think there's no question that we're on a transition to a digital future, which is inevitable. Um, so uh, as the technology company, um, we, we use, uh, we're going to do our part to be on the forefront of that journey, um, uh, transitioning into 3D from a product development side of the equation uh, really is the future, but the brands still have a long way to go. Um, uh, and again, it always goes back to the same way, uh, you know, in that 3D environment going into the future, um, uh, you're going to have to have the same uh, infrastructure for standardization uh, internally uh, that's going to help you execute um, throughout the supply chain. Um, one thing that we've, uh, a recent development maybe uh, in uh, the 3D side is uh, for the brands who are using 3D, um, having entire size sets of their um, uh, avatars to review product in a size set so they can better evaluate you know, what's really happening at the outer ends of the range. Um, you know, very few brands uh, even look at physical samples and in a complete size set before they uh, manufacture. Uh, but these are the kind of things that are going to enable brands to dial in to improving that fit experience um, before the product even hits the stores. Uh, we are out of time, but Don and Bill, thank you for joining uh, us today. Um, this is uh, obviously an ongoing topic. Um, that um, we're going to continue to cover. And hopefully you could join us again soon to uh, further the conversation. It would be my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Likewise, thanks for having me. Join Sourcing Journal in Hong Kong on May 8th for our second international edition of the Sourcing Summit. This year, the theme is Accelerate Change. Our supply chain panelists will take a close look at the initiatives that are gaining traction as the industry moves towards greater speed, efficiency, and sustainability. Visit sourcingjournal.com for program and ticket details.